I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Leviticus chapters 19 through 21. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 19, we wonder, how many laws are there anyway? Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols, nor make for yourselves molded gods. I am the Lord your God. And if you offer a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it of your own free will. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it, and on the next day. And if any remains until the third day, it shall be burned in the fire." And if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is an abomination. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity, because he has profaned the hallowed offering of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning." You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor, I am the Lord." You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed. Nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a concubine, and who has not at all been redeemed nor given her freedom, for this there shall be scourging, but they shall not be put to death, because she was not free. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, a ram as a trespass offering. The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin, which he has committed." and the sin which he has committed shall be forgiven him. When you come into the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruit as uncircumcised. Three years it shall be as uncircumcised to you, it shall not be eaten. But in the fourth year all its fruit shall be holy, a praise to the Lord. 
And in the fifth year you may eat its fruit, that it may yield to you its increase. I am the Lord your God. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. You shall not shave around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a harlot, lest the land fall into harlotry and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord. Wow, 37 verses of new laws. Now, many believers simply don't understand the magnitude of what it means to keep the law of Moses. They think that simply keeping the Ten Commandments ought to be sufficient to meet the requirements. Ironically, however, virtually all who hold that belief keep only nine out of the Ten Commandments. They decline to observe the Sabbath, which is commandment number four. The New Testament scriptures are very clear. The New Testament believer is not bound by the law of Moses. It was clearly given to the Jews and not Gentile believers. A point, by the way, which is clearly asserted at the conclusion of the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. Now, this chapter of Leviticus is oozing with additional requirements for the Jews. Let's take a look for a moment at the string of laws found in chapter 19. And uh, this is just one chapter, and these are equally as binding. We see that we are to honor father and mother, verse 3. Keep the Sabbath, verse 3 and 30. Stay away from idols, verse 4. Eat your peace offerings within two days, verses 5 through 8. Peace offerings are, by the way, discussed in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 11 through 36. No reaping the corners of your fields of crops. That's in verse 9. In other words, leave something for the poor, which is also seen in Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is the provision by which Ruth was able to uh, glean over Boaz's fields in Ruth chapter 2. No taking all the fruit out of your vineyard in verse 10, and that's for the same reason as the uh, field provision in verse 9. No stealing, dealing falsely, or lying to one another. No swearing by or profaning God in verse 12. This strengthens the third commandment of not taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain, refusing to honor an oath where the name of the Lord thy God is also invoked. Is uh, That's in view here. No defrauding, verse 13. No taking advantage of the deaf or blind, verse 14. No showing partiality to the rich or poor, verse 15. No bearing tales, verse 16. No hating your brother or neighbor, verse 17. No grudges or vengeance against your neighbor, verse 18. Notice the stipulation, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
This was proclaimed by Jesus to summarize the second half of the law of Moses in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. No crossbreeding in verse 19. The reason is not specified. No mingling of seed. The reason is not specified, although it is restated in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9. No wearing fabrics with a linen wool mixture in verse 19. Again, the reason is not specified, although it is restated in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 11. Then how to treat illicit sexual relationships with uh, slave girls. That's discussed in verses 20 to 22. No eating the fruit of a new tree for the first four years in verses 23 to 25. No blood consumption, verse 26. Lay off those rare steaks. No psychic soothsayer or witch activity in verses 26 and 31. No sideburns, verse 27, as apparently to avoid mimicking a heathen practice that was prevalent during those times. No flesh-cutting, piercings, or tattoos, verse 28. Leviticus chapter 21, verses 4 and 5 restates this, by the way. It was apparently a practice of heathen worship back then. Jezebel's priest of Baal, they cut themselves in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 to 46, and that was in an attempt to get their false gods to give them some assistance. No prostituting your daughter, verse 29. Keep the Sabbaths, verse 30. Stay away from witches, verse 31. Honor the elderly, verse 32. Be nice to foreigners, verses 33 and 34. And don't cheat in business, verses 35 and 36. Notice how exhaustive the law of Moses is. It's way more than just a handful of universally accepted laws of righteousness. Orthodox Jews today typically count 613 commandments, not just the Ten Commandments most people are accustomed to seeing. However, I should point out that many of the commandments given here would receive resounding cheers among believers today. Read the list in Leviticus 19 and pick out some that you'd fully embrace. But why not all of them? Now, an important mission of mine, as I comment on the Old Testament, is to help New Testament believers acquire a perspective on the mandates God gave the Hebrews. This perspective seems to be lacking with many Christians today. On the one hand, they believe that they're responsible to embrace and practice God's commands in the Old Testament, and that's as evidence of their love for God. But on the other hand, they'll dismiss most of the mandates of chapters like Leviticus 19 as being irrelevant today. Well, here's the problem with that. How do you decide, while picking through the mandates of the Old Testament law, how do you decide which ones are relevant and which ones are irrelevant? Most would agree that Leviticus 19 addresses some particular cultural problems that faced the Hebrews then, which, for the most part, don't exist today. However, mixed in with these laws are some ever-enduring principles that seem culturally independent. So what's the answer to that? Well, in answering that question, I generally start at the same point in the discussion, and that's the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Virtually all Christians who lack a perspective on the Mosaic Law agree that today's Christians are at least responsible for keeping the, at a minimum, Ten Commandments. Therefore, this provides a nice starting place for our discussion. However, immediately, commandment number four begins to cause problems for believers today. Let's look at both passages regarding this commandment. In Exodus chapter 20, commandment number four is found in verses 8 through 11. 
Here's what those verses say. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now let's look at the provisions of that commandment found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, whoa! Look at how many verses here are devoted to just one of the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, there are over three dozen references to Sabbath observance in just the first five books of the Bible. So, to what extent did God command Israel to enforce this particular commandment regarding the sacred nature of Saturday? It's never changed. It's always been Saturday, the seventh day. Well, just look at Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 to 36. There you'll see that a man was observed gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. They caught him and locked him up, pending God's counsel on what to do with the man. And then God gave them specific instructions to stone him to death. So here's my question. If you believe that Christians today are responsible for keeping the Ten Commandments as God gave them, why have you spent your whole life disregarding commandment number four, the Sabbath observance? A commandment, by the way, which is taken so seriously in Israel as to result in one's execution. Now, look, the Mosaic law constituted the government of the nation of Israel. The Mosaic law was never intended to provide a way to salvation, nor was it ever intended to provide a way of staying righteous after salvation. Now, many preachers today feel they need a hammer like the Ten Commandments to keep folks from evil. But contrary-wise, it's just really important that believers understand the grace bestowed upon New Testament Christians. Romans 8, 2 says that our law is written in our hearts today, and that's because God dwells in saved people. We see that principle in 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 and 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. And God doesn't dwell in buildings, not like in the Old Testament. He dwells in people. Because we have the Holy Spirit inside, James four seventeen becomes our benchmark for sin. It says this, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. In other words... We're not made or kept righteous by keeping any of the Old Testament commandments. We're made righteous before God by our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. 
We abstain from sin by responding to the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives, not by complying with external commandments. Jesus himself told us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, that he had come to fulfill the law. Paul completely developed this concept and specifically mentions the implications of Christ's death on the cross when he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 and verse 11 that with regard to believers, the law was passing away. The Greek word there is a present passive participle that literally means it was being made of no effect. The King James Version is more to the point in that verse when it refers to it as having been done away. Now, here's what Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says regarding the cross and the law. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The secret of success in the Christian walk is not the Ten Commandments. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in each believer. Maybe you're still not convinced. Well, consider this. Gentiles were not required to keep the law of Moses as far back as Acts chapter 15, and that's stated in a decree from the Council of Jerusalem that was held in that chapter, Acts chapter 15. When Paul and Barnabas returned to Jerusalem to defend their teaching that Gentile believers are not obligated to the law of Moses, which, by the way, includes the Ten Commandments, the church at Jerusalem issued a decree at the end of their meeting. To summarize, here's what the decree from the apostles in the early church stated. Gentile believers do not need to observe the law of Moses. Now, I don't make the news. I just report the news. Here's what I wonder. How can something stated so clearly in Scripture yet be so widely misunderstood by believers who attend church every week? I suspect that somebody's not studying Scripture in context. In chapter 20, we have a whole category of sinister sins. Verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Moloch to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Moloch and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Moloch, and the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them. I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. 
The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among you. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, he shall bear his guilt. If a man lies with a woman during her sickness and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow, and she has uncovered the flow of her blood, both of them shall be cut off from their people." You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, nor of your father's sister, for that would uncover his near of kin. They shall bear their guilt. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples." You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean. And you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, chapter 20 is much like what we saw back in Leviticus chapter 18. However, the punishments for violations were not specified back in chapter 18 for most of these offenses. In this chapter, they are. Now, notice these provisions of the law of Moses that we find in chapter 20. In verses 1 through 5, we have stipulations regarding the worship of Moloch. In verses 6 through 8 and verse 27, we see no wizards, as in psychics or fortune tellers. In verse 9, cursing one's father or mother results in a death sentence. Ouch! In verse 10, adultery results in a death sentence. In Leviticus chapter 18, none of the following familial sexual relationships are to be tolerated. We see a man with his stepmother results in execution, verse 11. A man with his daughter-in-law, execution, verse 12. Homosexual relationships, uh, execution, verse 13. 
a wife and his wife's mother. Execution by fire in verse 14. Bestiality, verses 15 to 16. Yep, execution. A man with his stepsister. Well, there it specifies cut off from the sight of the people, verse 17. Relationship with a woman while having her menstrual cycle cut off from among their people, in verse 18. A man with his aunt. Well, exact punishment's unclear there in verse 19. A man with his uncle's wife. Again, no clear direction on punishment for that in verse 20. And again, a man with his brother's wife. No clear punishment in verse 21. Now, it's not exactly clear what cut off means in verses 17 and 18. Sometimes the context of other passages using this term in the Old Testament demonstrates that it means execution. But other occurrences would seem to indicate just an exile from the nation. God identifies these pagan practices as reasons why he destroyed or would destroy heathen nations who were heavily involved in these practices of sexual atrocities and human sacrifice, sacrifice to Moloch. Moloch, as a matter of fact, gets the first five verses of this chapter. It's worth noting that Solomon allowed the worship of pagan gods to creep back into the life of Israel. As a matter of fact, Solomon even built an altar to this god, to this god Moloch, for one or more of his pagan worshiping wives. 1 King chapter 11, verse 6 says this, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father. David. The road to the split of Israel into two kingdoms was paved by the disobedience of Solomon inasmuch as he facilitated the worship of these false gods in Israel. Associated with this are witchcraft or familiar spirits and mediums we see in verse 6. Israel was to have nothing to do with these. Notice verse 9. It says, For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Whoa! Now that certainly seems harsh. Respect for one's elders was a foundational principle among God's people. As a matter of fact, remember commandment number 5 back in Exodus chapter 20 verse 12? It says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, verses 10 through 21 repeat the same sexual taboos that we saw in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 6 to 23. Notice that God judged these nations for their abhorrent conduct, even though these Canaanite nations had not been given the law of Moses. And that's because some things are just contrary to natural practices, period. Because of this disregard by the nations living within Canaan, God states that he'll cast those people out of their land and receive Israel in their place. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23, in this passage right here, says this, And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you. For they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. The same promises are found in Leviticus chapter 18. In both listings of abhorrent sexual conduct, we find incest, adultery, homosexuality, and bestiality. As a matter of fact, Moses repeats this assertion 38-plus years later regarding why these Canaanites must be displaced when he says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, 
Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. Here's a question. Since God obliterated nations who tolerated abhorrent sexual practices in the past, might he still do so today? It's also worth noting the provisions of verse 27. Here's what it says. A man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Sorcery, by the way, was absolutely forbidden as completely incompatible with God's law. And if you're wondering, it gets thumbs down in the New Testament as well in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. And then we see in chapter 21 that God raises the bar for the priests. Verse 1, And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, None shall defile himself for the dead among his people, except for his relatives who are nearest to him, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, and his brother. Also his virgin sister who is near to him, who has had no husband, for her he may defile himself. Otherwise he shall not defile himself being a chief man among his people to profane himself. They shall not make any bald place on their heads, nor shall they shave the edges of their beards, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God, therefore they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife who is a harlot or a defiled woman." nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. Therefore you shall consecrate him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. The daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by playing the harlot, she profanes her father, she shall be burned with fire. He who is the high priest among his brethren on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor tear his clothes, nor shall he go near any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or his mother, nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him, I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity." A widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot, these he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife. Nor shall he profane his posterity among his people, for I, the Lord, sanctify him. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, No man of your descendants in succeeding generations who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. For any man who has a defect shall not approach. A man blind or lame, who has a marred face or any limb too long. A man who has a broken foot or broken hand, or is a hunchback or a dwarf. Or a man who has a defect in his eye, or eczema, or scab, or is a eunuch. No man of the descendants of Aaron the priest who has a defect shall come near to offer the offerings made by fire to the Lord. He has a defect. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both the most holy and the holy, only he shall not go near the veil or approach the altar because he has a defect. 
lest he profane my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, sanctify them. And Moses told it to Aaron and his sons, and to all the children of Israel. Now this chapter contains some special laws for priests. Contact with dead bodies was limited, as seen in verses 1-4 through and verse 11. There were also certain grooming rules by which they had to abide. We see those in verses 5 and 6. Notice that they had some restrictions on them with regard to whom they could marry that regular old Hebrew men didn't have. It's in verse 7. The standard of marriage for the high priest was even more stringent, we see in verse 13. She had to be a virgin who was a naturally born Hebrew. And the priest's daughters were held to a higher standard also in verse 9. Or if they didn't meet that standard, they faced a horrible execution by fire. Certain physical characteristics prevented a man from becoming a priest. We see those in verses 17 to 24. Those described here could support the tabernacle's Levites, but not serve as actual priests. The actual priests were, incidentally, from the descendants of Aaron only. That was a very small subset of the entire tribe of the Levites, who would become those responsible for the implementation of Israel's religious life in Numbers chapter 3. Now pay particular attention to Leviticus chapter 21 verse 10. Here's what it says. He who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes. Also notice the specific instructions given to Aaron, Eleazar, and Ithamar after the untimely deaths of their immediate family members in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 6. Here's what it says. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar his sons, Do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But lay your brethren, the whole house of Israel, Bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. Now let's move forward 1,500 years and look at the actions of the high priest on the day that Jesus was crucified in Matthew chapter 26, verse 65. Here's what it says. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. It certainly seems plausible that God probably brought on that outburst by the high priest that day to formally mark the end of the Aaronic priesthood. From that day forward, Jesus Christ would represent the righteousness of God through the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, if you'd like to know more about Melchizedek, if you look into the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, there's an article there on the page. Otherwise, go to the topic section BibleTrack.org and read the article titled Melchizedek. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker. 